Welcome back, everyone, to Culture's Corner, the best talks and opinions on this side of the globe. For those of you that don't know, the CWL or the Call of Duty World League, they recently held their third major tournament of the year, CWL London. And this week, they just began the next phase of the Pro League. On top of this, they also announced franchising coming in 2020, and more specifically, the first teams to be accepted. And now there are rumors about who is and is not getting into CWL 2020, and certain format changes are coming, as well as that have been rumored and put up into the air. Today, we're going to be talking about some of that, some Call of Duty World League, the Pro League. We're going to be talking with Austin Visions Neil our resident Call of Duty play-by-play -play commentator about this franchising buzz and about CWL London and the Pro League as they begin Week 7 in Division A. And Austin, you know, how are you doing today, man? I hope you're having a great Wednesday. You know what, man? I'm having uh, I'm having a really good time, and you know it's even gonna be better because you know there isn't too many casters I get to talk to about um, you know CWL and just um, you know the league itself or just anything that's going on. So you know I'm pretty excited about a lot of the rumors like you just mentioned that are gonna be kind of um, some of the changes we're expecting, obviously, um, to go in towards the league. And I mean not only that, but we did just have London that did just pass, and there was you know quite a few big moments that happened, and you know Hundred um, T obviously being the biggest one coming out of nowhere after the roster changes. So yeah. Yeah, man, I'm doing great, and I'm excited to jump into it. Yeah, let's talk about 100 Thieves real quick, man. I mean, uh, we we all knew that they were one of the favorites. I mean, after what happened at Fort Worth where Priesta wasn't sick, then they potentially win that event. But did you expect this level of dominance from them? I think they said they only really dropped one uh, map, like the entire run. It was a bunch of 3-0s, 3-1s. I think they had a 3-2 in there somewhere, but... Overall, it was just dominant performances. Kenny was clutch as always, getting back to that old form. And Nabel really showed up. He was the player to watch for a lot of the analysts going in. And then Priesta and Slasher showing up. Octane got MVP. Everyone just seemed to be in form. And I know I didn't expect it. No, man. I was like... I was pretty taken away, um, like seeing this roster like come in, like and just like be like this dominant, like you said, right? Like they uh, they just like came out of the gates and like it's just like it's the roster when you look at them, like they obviously have some like crazy players on their slasher, probably being the biggest one, right? Like this man has multiple world titles under his belt, um, and I think like like you mentioned, Enable was like really like the, you know the X factor for this team. Like if he plays well and you know like he, and he's able to step up to that leadership role that he's taken in, the, in his past teams, like you know that they're just going to be on fire, and that's what they completely did and i think that the last event could have certainly went their way you know if that mishap didn't happen you know for priesta uh certainly but i think that uh you know overall man this team just just looked nuts they had a they had a very slow start when they brought on pharaoh kenny and they made those roster changes and they just had nothing working for them and then to see them you know find the light like you know in the middle of the season um it's just you know it's crazy and it's just like you have to give it to these guys because these guys you know really just completely worked their asses off and you know it's obviously showing now yeah, I mean, I was one of the ones that was a detractor when they made that roster move uh, with putting Farrow on the bench because I, I I didn't understand having a sub player. Out of all the sub players that didn't have an issue with the SOG, Kenny's the one that says, I can't play with it. I don't like this gun. Let me use a Maddox. And this had to be vindication for them. The last two events, I mean, Fort Worth, they didn't win it, but they came second, and this one had to be vindication for that move because they were getting torn apart by the community for just doing that. And I... I really hope that it kind of transitions people into the mindset of it's all business. I feel like sometimes in Call of Duty, people get too attached in the feelings of players. And it's always good to have a favorite player and be a fan and you have the emotional aspect attached to it. But 
just like any other sport or esport, it's all business when a roster move is made. And although people were like, oh, that's scummy, hopefully, especially going into franchising, which is going to be basically mostly business and more moves like this will probably happen. Fans will get a little bit more used to this, seeing that it worked out. Yeah, it's 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 definitely going to be you know no interesting for sure. And I think that the franchising topic is is one that you know is is certainly kind of what we expected because if you want to have a successful esport, you know you want to follow the footprints of of already successful esports, right? Like League of Legends, like Overwatch, uh, these leagues that have already built this up. So Call of Duty doing it, you know, is is more interesting because you know we even got to talk to this about our um, cast that we did there for Recon Five uh, about a week ago. Um, was just a simple fact that the game changes every year. And so you're franchising you not all, not over a specific title, right? You're you're franchising over Call of Duty, but it's not over you know Black Ops Four, or you know it's not over you know whatever whatever the next game is going to be. Um, you know we will we assume would be that it's still going to be a yearly basis of a game dropping, and it's just the question of is Activision you know going to put the esports um, you know franchising ahead of the casual Call of Duty player? It's like you know what are they going to do? So I think the whole topic in itself is, is so interesting because there's just like you know we. Don't don't really know too much yet besides the fact that they really just want to do it so it's just open to you know so much you know so much speculation you know heading in towards it now who what team do you think underachieved the most at cwl london there's a lot of teams that we thought should have done better i know Jinji was on my list doing better i think i had enigma six as a as a as, for the second tournament in a row a dark horse team on mine but i wasn't expecting a ton from them period but do you think it was maybe Optic Gaming getting third instead of even second place? Or was it uh, possibly a team like Splice, who they're always hype coming into the tournament because of Temp and Looney and Aqua and just the squad that they have is full of very strong, solid players, and they didn't make it that far? Or was it Envy, who, although they had a roster move, still has Hook and a lot of the players that they had going into the tournament? Uh, I mean, like, I think everyone always has their eyes on, like, those big names. But I, I think, like, the biggest one for me was, was Luminosity. Like, I think that this is a roster that you just expect to be in the top three. These, these are names, you know what I mean? You look at Gunless. He's considered to be the best Call of Duty player, I mean, oh, he, like, here, like, currently in the league. You know, so many players hype this man up because he always makes the right play. Formal, you know, known for obviously winning multiple titles, <laughs> um, not only on Call of Duty, but in Halo as well. And then, you know, John Slacks, um, Classic. Like, these are just all guys that you just expect to be in the top three. So, I mean, like, for me... I think it's Luminosity Gaming that's just underperformed, uh, certainly heading into this event again. And they've had multiple events like this, and they've just been so up and down that you don't know where to place them anymore. Uh, I just don't know if there's a roster change that fixes them. But, I mean, certainly I think the expectation, almost every event is Optic Gaming is supposed to win it just because of the fan base, right? It's like, you know, Optic Gaming needs to come through. Like, they just have Scum, Crim6, Karma, you know, they just have, like, the mega death roster. Um, but, uh, you know, them falling short here for a couple events in a row is maybe a little bit underwhelming, and especially to probably the majority of the fan base, since that is the most popular team here in the CWL, for sure. Yeah, there's never there's never such a thing as Optic, I guess, to say they they don't ever have an okay for getting second or third place, you know. I, I agree with what you said. It's like, if it's not first for Optic fans, me being one of them, it's nothing but I, i'm not one of the more extreme fans i do kind of recognize it especially this year it's super competitive that we it's probably not going to happen where you dominate or have a dynasty like you did before it's gonna be extremely hard a lot of these teams have really strong rosters and for me I, it's interesting you brought up luminosity because 
after, especially the mentality they show, it's almost like win at all costs. I mean, we saw it with the issue with the bug on control where they, uh, I'm not going to say they robbed FaZe, but a lot of other people are saying they robbed FaZe of a win. And the only person that really, you know, in my mind is someone that is out of character of behaving like that when at all costs is like Slack, who even said that he tried to talk with the referee about the ruling. But everyone else, I'm like, that makes sense. They're kind of a win of all costs team. Mm-hmm. That's just their M.O. And if you're going to have that mentality, you have to be winning more events or at least placing higher than you did. Otherwise, not only do you look kind of scummy, but you look like you did it for no reason. So, But uh, I mean, on that subject of repeat champions, though, do you ever think we're going to have uh, back-to-back champs this year or it, possibly in the future even going into 2020? Because, again, so many of these rosters are stacked. Yeah, that's actually like kind of the coolest things I think about you know not only you know this year but the last year too. I think I, I might be mistaken on this, but I think the last team that might have won back to back might have been TK. Um, I could be mistaken on that. It might have been the first two events in World War Two where they just caught on faster um, than any other team. But like I, I mean, you would have. I mean, like, 100 Thieves, um, you could say, like, they could have won the last event if that didn't happen to Priesta. So, it probably made them super hungry for this event. Now, it's going to be like, all right, so now they're number one. All these other teams are going to be, you know, learning from you now. And now you're considered to be at the top. And it's like, I could see 100 Thieves doing the exact same thing again. But I think it's always, like, going to come down to, you know, is Enable going to be able to perform um, you know, the way the way he did again. And I think like he's really um at least in my personal opinion, like I think he's always gonna be the X Factor for that for that roster. If they pop off, like I think it's due to to him picking up the slack and being able to um have those events that he's able to have. But I mean it's certainly just it, it's always a question of whether they're gonna be able to do it or not. And then I mean like there's also the side of E United who has just been you know, the silver surfers time and time again here. <laughs> not only in this game, but you know in the last game too. Like they're always getting second I'm a huge Clayster fan, man. Like, that really what got me into Call of Duty when he made those plays in Black Ops 2. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, overall, like, you know, I'd love to see United, you know, still trying and contest that spot. But it does seem like 100 Thieves might just be ahead of everyone else. And I think Optic Gaming is the only one that can really give them a run for the money based off of what we saw at the last event there. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, at the moment, it's just so many different scenarios. And there's so many different amateurs in the league more than ever as well, which, um, well, I mean, pro players now, but amateurs that came into the league. So it's just so many different variables that uh, you have to consider if, if they're going to be able to do it again. It's, it's so hard to say. Yeah, we got Phantoms. We got Zapdios. And honestly, I think United's do. I think for Anaheim, I, I have United as my front run well obviously you gotta give 103s the benefit of the doubt as the front runner because they won the last one but i think if anyone's going to challenge and united that if they can make a run through the winner's bracket and not have to go through the winner's the loser's bracket and deal with that two best of fives then i honestly think in a best of five single best of five scenario where it's 103s united with simp in the squad after having a whole uh two, three weeks of league play under his belt in the pro league, they're a very scary team. He's just a very scary individual. And honestly, I think if it's not 100 Thieves' next event, it's got to be United to take home the chip because they're due for it. Clayster's hungry. And I I can't sing Simp's praises enough. And although the whole kerfluffle with J-Cap happened, I think they really came out the better side of it. But let's move over to the pro league and talk some of these teams because – We've had some teams shake up their rosters. You know, as we said, United, they got Simp. I believe uh, I believe that 
wasn't the last event his first time on United, his as far as a major event and even Pro League? I think that was his first time playing for them that, on the main that roster. Was, yeah, that was the first time he played, and he played. Like, it wasn't like he just played, like, okay, and he's like, you know, like, it's like, all right, like, he's able to pull his weight, and he's, he can hang in the league. It's like, no, like, this guy, like, was making insane sniper plays against Hunter T in the finals, man. Like, this guy was getting, like, three-piece, four-pieces rounds. Like, I think he's definitely going to – I think it was an upgrade from J-Cap. I think, I think you can't – you know, it's hard to say because – Jacob's just one of those players where it's like, you know, he he's just so smart. He's won again multiple world titles um here in like in in the league and this in the actual um Call of Duty scene itself. So it's hard to like make that change, but I mean I think it did come out for the better and it matches with the BZ really well when they play super aggressive. And I honestly I, I don't think anyone can argue what not even like from a salty standpoint of oh the drama that went down that just period that roster move worked. Simp, I mean, he's been lighting up the amateur scene for a while, and he mm-hmm. was one of the few players I've seen that could actually transfer their ridiculous play from the amateur scene into pro league. And talking about more teams that had roster change, I mean, Midnight, they actually added Saints to their starting roster and put Gorgo Knight on the bench phase. Basically an entire new squad. They have Selium, Asim, uh, Zuma, and no more attach. Uh, uh, they basically kind of revamped a whole half of their roster. And then you also have Jinji. They didn't make any roster moves, but I want to start with them uh, as our first team to look into at the Pro League because they have this really, really nasty habit of destroying teams that are below them and then mm-hmm. looking like they can destroy top teams, but then they choke and give up a reverse sweep. How do you think that they can turn around these bad habits against top-tier teams like we saw them do against Optic where – go up 2-0, look great, and then they just get 3-0 swept. And really, it's reverse of old G where it was we lose the first map and then we just win every other uh, map for the rest of the series. Yeah, man, I think it's... I think part of it's a lack of experience. When you look at that roster, like, you don't see any, like, crazy veterans on that squad. Like, you don't see, like, your Clasters, your Octanes, you know, your Crim Sixes, um, etc. Like, you just don't see those players that have been in the scene for, like, seven, eight years. It's a lot of, like, the newer talent. And they are obviously extremely talented because they're sitting, I believe, number one in the Division A right now in the Pro League, um, just, just ahead of Optic. And, like, they obviously have the talent. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, when you're on stage and you're playing a team like Optic Gaming, you're not only just playing against a team, but you're also hearing the fans, like, chant. Like, you know, you can only imagine what something like that's like to play against. And I think it's just, um, you know, just the lack of experience, a little bit of nerves kicking in so that they're not able to close out those maps. It's it's hard to say, you know, what happened without listening to the comms and you know, maybe just, like, getting more insight from them, like, specifically. But I, I for what you can do, I mean, you can only just look at that and just think about like you know just trying to get more games in and, and just trying to make sure that like that doesn't happen again and fix like your mental so it doesn't happen because that and obviously was optic gaming just getting momentum and then just started steamrolling them and it was just game after game after game but again they have some talented people you look at this major maniac showed insane was insane when they were getting into the pro league when they're playing the qualifiers magafin just been around for uh, so long was in the jetpacking games and just absolutely just putting on a show for multiple multiple games and multiple events havoc went under the radar in world war ii and stepped it up here they just have you know those players that like can just pop off and clutch up but it's just going to maybe take that little bit of extra time for them to to get it under their belt so that they can close out and pop off in those games that matter the most and i see where you're going with you know because especially at CWL London, you start to give up a reverse sweep, and like you said, against OG or any other team, and that crowd 
gets really into you and starts making you sweat. Here on the oh, yeah. in in the pro league though, it's uh it's a bit yeah. different because I don't think there's a crowd, but I do understand what you mean when you talk about veteran talent because I think the oldest player as far as uh, experience is Nagafin, like you said, and they don't have anyone that's been there for three, four, five titles basically playing. And that's one of the things that I really made me kind of question mark when they dropped Spacely. It wasn't that he made the team better mechanically with skill, although Spacely was very, very good when it came to things like gun skill, but really just that veteran knowledge of how to play certain situations. I feel like he really took the lead in a lot of their search and destroy and control, and it really showed through, although their hard point didn't need more slaying power, and now they are really, really missing that, and I just don't know how they find that again and I guess how much experience that will take, and we'll just turn to them, yeah, we can beat the teams we're supposed to beat, but when it comes to things like events, like World Champs or Anaheim, when we have to come up against the Optics, the Unites, the 100 Thieves, even the Splices and the Luminosities, that we can't get it done, and that's when your fans really start to think it matters because you build up that rapport of we should be up here with these teams, but we just can't get over that hump. Yeah, they just. I think they just need more time to develop. One hundred percent. I think that not only this team, but like like these players are going to be you know phenomenal in multiple titles to come. Um, There's still a lot of these guys are really young. I'm pretty sure Havoc's you know 21. Um, he he was obviously the big one that came when he was 18 years old, and he's 18 with Haggy um, in uh, in IW. Um, like like these guys like are our majority of them are, are very young and still have so much potential and are still so talented. Um, and I I think they just need more time. But I think if they stay together, like if they do um, what um, now what some of the UIU squad did last year, where you know it was like mayhem. It had spoofs. Um, I don't remember the other two guys specifically, but they were like they just stayed together for so long. And when you have a talented roster and you just work through those, you know, small mistakes, then you know you're going to come out on on top and, and benefit in the end. Not only that, but it shows that you're willing to work together, and that really appeals to you know some of the players that have been around in the scene that may be looking to make those changes. You know, in the off season. Another team that made a little bit of uh, changes, not in the off season, but just kind of between events, really, midnight. You know, they had the big oh, kerfuffle yeah. where they had to drop most of their, all their original roster, pick up a lot of veterans like Parasite, like Blast, who's been around, was on G2, and they picked up Lacefield as well. And they also made a switch that I think had to happen anyways, although it's not the player I thought they'd uh, pick up. They dropped, or didn't drop, but they put moved Knight to substitute. He was slacking a little bit in the statistical uh, part of the game, and wasn't really pulling his weight, I guess you could say. And they put their coach Saints into the main roster. But really, my question is, when will this team ever get it together? Because despite these changes, you hear things of while Saints was coached, that he wanted to find the players for being late to scrims. Haggy left a scrim early, uh, allegedly, because he had a podcast he had to join. They... Yesterday, when Pro League first started and they had their first match, Parasite was talking about how they didn't get a lot of scrim practice in because teams just weren't around to scrim. And I just hear a bunch of excuses when if you're midnight as an organization and these players and you made a move like you did, losing your entire roster and then having to pick up a new one, will this team ever get it together? Because right now it just seems like they did this to get prepared to sell for franchising by having a bunch of well-known names on their squad. 
Yeah, that's, that's certainly what they could have done, uh, which I mean, like from a business point of view, obviously extremely smart, but from uh, from from like an actual team point of view where you're trying to win events, then maybe not, because there's obviously some big personalities on here. And I think like the hot topic here really is Parasite, because Parasite has been trying to get into the Pro League, I believe, for like the last two years. World War II, um, he, he ended up, I believe, getting dropped or he fell short, um, yet again getting into it. Um, he tried to team um, with another team um, going into the Pro league um for this one ended up falling short and now he has the opportunity to actually get picked up and there was people like analysts like nameless who's like parasite's longtime friend was saying listen man like that was the best roster you could have gotten to try and get into the pro league you couldn't make it in like you should just hang up the sticks like you know go to a coaching position you know try and take like an analyst position something along these lines and you know just try and, and just just let it go but he seems to be relentless i mean despite him having you know a very big personality and and probably being you know what some players would say would be one of the worst um kind of attitudes and one of the worst teammates he's still here and he's still you know he's still trying to win so there is some dedication in that team and there's still you know a lot of um talent but i do think that it was kind of a team that was thrown together like you said like that could be you know put together for that franchising spot so that they can sell it and you know make uh just make that extra money with some names on here that have, have been around in the scene for you know so many years but it, it really is just that a question of whether or not that, that they're going to be able to do well um and will they stay together because i can't see this roster staying together if they're not being successful for the next couple events and that's my problem is the fact, uh, not only just for this team's roster cohesion period, but for franchising, if they run it like a lot of other leagues, and you're an organization that's trying to sell your spot or get in or trying to attract another brand organization to buy your spot, it's evaluated not only by the names you have and how much money you can bring to the table, but also how competitive your brand is. And if mm -hmm. my brand has to pick up these five players and they can't win a lot, like... People will do their research and say, see, hey, well, the record they start off with wasn't even this full five roster. It was a whole nother set of players. And since that time, this roster has been 0 for whatever or 1 for, you know, what have you. And at that point, they're not going to want to buy this slot with this roster if they're not winning because – the other alternative is to buy out everybody's contracts on this team. And who knows how much money they gave Parasite. And I know it's not a small dollar sign because it's Parasite, despite what people might say about his play and, you know, what level of play he has. It's not cheap. And about five contracts is not ideal. They want to just go ahead and buy the five players you have together. And, I mean, talking about Parasite's personality, I love the tenacity to get in, but... When you complain and talk about your struggles trying to get in and practice and all this other stuff, and then people are talking about how you skipped out on a scrim after one map because you had to go do a podcast and your only excuse is, well, I told you guys what I had to go do, that is hypocritical and it doesn't seem like someone who, not I wouldn't want to play with because no one can doubt Haggy's uh, dedication to the game, but it just... As an organization, it's like, how much should we invest in this player and therefore this roster based on what we've heard and seen about these guys? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's just so, it's just so difficult, man. Like, you just, you, if you are really just trying to buy your spot and you look at this team, it's like, it's almost just like a coin flip on, on whether or not they're going to stay together because, 
It's it's like even like the whole Blast Parasite drama that happened in the beginning of World War II when Parasite teamed with Pharaoh and Blast um, when these guys came out of the search and destroy scene and uh, you know he he brought them on um, and I believe it was with Embos originally there at the very start and like that team failed and not only um, did Parasite end up not getting the best of that deal but you know Pharaoh that was where Pharaoh ended up taking off and you know everybody always has you know a piece to say about Haggy after they teamed with them about you know the kind of teammate that he is and he's just always kind of just have that baggage um with him no matter where he goes so i mean midnight's kind of just like up in the air man like you just don't know if if this roster is going to stay together you don't know um what's going to happen um you know when when they just get the the franchising spot if they're just going to sell it um how the contracts and stuff like that are going to work it really is just that question mark i think on on, on the one team that's in the pro pro league right now now we've been kind of skirting around the topic a little bit as we've gone through this discussion and we're just going to dive right onto it the franchising and draft rumors we already have five teams confirmed one in toronto one in new york one in atlanta i gotta say yay to that baby and then one in (laughs) dallas and then i believe the other one is the french team that we're gonna have and my question and kind of concern is do you think they're running similar to the overwatch league where they kind of just have an east and west division where they're all playing LA geolocation hasn't really been uh, established yet and I'll ask a question about that in a second but I don't really want to see them run it similar to OWL just because of scheduling reasons do you think they're going to go ahead and just take that model or they're going to try and experiment with another model that might work more comfortably for the Call of Duty scene I mean Call of Duty has been that one esport that has kind of just been different from the other ones in the sense that they still are, are you know, doing like these major events. You know, CSGO kind of does it too. Um, but, you know, they have these major events and then they have the Pro League on the side. So, like, I could see them from like just from a business aspect maybe just following the, the, the footsteps because the, the path's already been laid out from uh from the overwatch league just to to try and follow that and, and just to pursue that and make it a lot easier um i wouldn't like them to do that because like you said like the scheduling um just the way it is like it, it really is difficult to say and, and not only that but like a lot really the big difference between like you know regular sports and esports is that esports becomes very bland um when they just have like these weeks and like these seasons of of leagues and that happens that's that has happened in multiple titles um for as far as you know they, they have to add things to try and spice it up they have to create better storylines so that the viewers are kind of more expected to watch it because when you think of you know, the esports event you sp- think about call of duty specifically Specifically, you think about the events that are happening. You think about Anaheim, Anaheim coming up, um, and you know all of these teams. You know, building up the storylines from the last event and what happened at London. You know, as even as a Call of Duty fan and myself, like I'm more obligated to watch those events than I am just the regular pro league games. I think it's just it's an I don't know if it's an entertainment thing. I don't know if it's just like because of the money that's on the line then and there, um, and there just isn't as much you know excitement built up between those games um, for the pro league and stuff like that. So like it, it really is. I, I don't I don't I can't say I know exactly what they should do for it but i do agree with you in the sense that maybe they should look at a different look other than following the exact footsteps that um, the overwatch league is laid out by the way as we speak midnight they did finally pick up that first win against well, it was against uiu so i mean it's not the most impressive of wins but they did get it they did finally pick up that w for parasite in the game but i i agree i i think that what you're talking about is happening to the overwatch league right now because mm. It's just several weeks of this of stage and then stage playoffs, which is okay, but there's no real stakes in the stage playoffs. It's really just about your record throughout all stage one through four. I think 
spicing it up with majors in between, like CSGO, how they have E-League, but they also have majors in between, and it all kind of culminates in the where you place an event after event really does keep people engaged because people have to understand you can't run it like traditional sports because the NFL, MLB, NBA, they've been around for centuries almost. You know, that's ingrained in our DNA, and therefore we don't question why it's just 82 straight games without, like, a tournament in between. They still have an all-star event, even though those usually don't work. You know, we don't question it. While esports, it's new, it's got to keep you engaged, like you said. And I think if they did a format where – they travel a little bit, you know, all your pro league stuff still goes into your seating and placement in the next tournament. I honestly, if they keep the same system they're using for pro league right now, I think it'll work. My question, which will lead into our next topic is how would that factor into geolocation? Because I want to see, do they really stick to geolocation, actually do it? Do they rent out or build stadiums in different cities where the teams are located. They might take a year, so they're all still out in Columbus. But do they finally actually have teams flying in and out of cities? Because you have a French team, overseas travel, and this is something that a lot of people have brought up with OWL and how they don't know if it'll work. If you have overseas travel, that takes a lot of toll on teams. I mean, the NFL just started doing it, you know, going out to London and stuff like that to play. And they only do it once or twice a year. If they do it geolocation with CWL and OWL, it'll be multiple times in a single stage. So do you think they will actually stick with geolocation? Or is that just kind of fluff and they're just trying to turn heads, keep people interested in it, something that might work down the pipeline in a few years or so? Yeah, I think if they build something like that up in a few years, like, I, I mean, I, there's a lot more excitement, you know, playing in a home crowd. Like, me, obviously, being very close to Toronto, like, I would, you know, I would love to go and, you know, and compete, or, like, or not, sorry, not compete, but would spectate, like, like an actual game that's happening there, and, you know, the away team's coming in, and, uh, you know, you just have, like, it's just that different vibe and that different energy, um, being in your in your hometown where you're, comp- like, you see your team competing, and it's just, it's just totally different um, than just, you know, having, like, a set location, like these other um, esports do where you know you just come and you, you know it's there and that's where all the teams are they all have the, a team house you know local and nearby i think it's interesting but like it's also the factor of like you just mentioned there's a french team that's going to be coming into into the league and you know, you have to factor in time zones you have to factor in travel time and then you have to you know factor in their lives as well because they they already dedicate you know most of these gamers are dedicating 12 hours um you know a day into in towards the game so like like do they really want to have that extra time traveling um to be able to you know just to just to go and play at a different location in front of the fans you know takes away from practice takes away from sleep um just the, it's just that different environment altogether and and i think the only way to to really know how it's going to go is just to try chest like trial and error type of type of situation since it hasn't really um been a, a huge factor just in the esports brand itself yet so overall i mean i would love to see that because you know i, I would be going to toronto for for my team you know what i mean and watching that because it is just that different type of energy well i'd love to talk with you more about this and dig deeper but we just crossed over into the 30 minute mark and beyond so i gotta cut us off short there but we'll be having you back on definitely talk more call of duty world league majors tournaments around that time especially right before anaheim and see where things are and what teams we think will take it after Division A and Division B play some more. I just want to say thank you for joining me this Wednesday afternoon, my man, and we'll catch up for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.